0: run Hicks launches that down the right field line this game is tied Aaron Hicks with a little more Minnesota magic and
1: it's 7-7 the ninth home run of the game Here's
0: Aaron Judge Hi, welcome to Sportsbook Radio from the Brian Blessing Studio in Las Vegas. Brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Wild game last night in Minnesota, which is fine with me. I had the over, so that was... And uh, and (laughs) I'm a Yankee
1: fan, so it was good. I I I saw 7-3. I I just checked the score during the Rangers game, and I'm saying, oh, geez, Cole just got lit up, and they're not coming back, and here we go. You know, lose two in a row, the world's coming to an end, and damn if they don't come back, crazy. Well, I knew when, it, and, and again, again it is the Yankees, it is the Twins, and if there ever was a who's your daddy situation, no, especially in, baseball, in the
0: postseason. <laughs> well,
1: it's the it's the Yankees owning the Twins.
0: Yeah. So, so Garrett Cole gives up home runs to his first three batters. Yeah, how
1: about that? Career
0: five and. What two and a third? I don't think
1: you or I could have done that. I would have hey, fun- even I last would have year. The third he night. gave
0: up a couple solos last year. He pitched twice in Minnesota last season. Gave up a couple solos. Are you to-
1: still angry? The Pirates? Oh game- yeah, yeah. Anything to do with him?
0: Oh, <laughs> beyond angry, Steve. What are, you, what are you doing at this point? There's no, there's no being angry. You know the deal. You know the deal. The, the minute that Brian, like Brian Reynolds, is not going to be, how, how none many, of these guys that are how any how good GMs are going to stay have with the Pittsburgh. It's
1: been through in the last twenty years, four, five, six, four, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish they the... have no between you know the various ownerships they've had and GMS. They've never had a real plan to be good know, long-term and compete for championships, have they? You
0: well, Steve, I as... mean, we could go on forever about no, this. I but, mean, but I'm f- just
1: saying, you know, some some teams are just destined to be mediocre to lousy. Yeah, actually, I, I think they've only had three in the
0: last 20 years.
1: Yeah, I mean, all right.
0: So it was Sherrington now, uh, Neil Huntington before that. And then uh, Dave Littlefield. So three. I, I wish the ownership list was longer, because listen, I, I, not to go on this road because we got a whole thing bunch bunch of stuff to go through. But the economics of baseball, and I know you're going to say, okay, well look, you, you get the TV money, you're paying for your salary already. Oh, it's your choice not to spend. I get it, but the Yankees. Or, or any of these teams. I mean, and we're not talking about 200 million dollar payrolls anymore. No. We're talking about you need to be in the 250 range. Yeah. Almost 3 range now. And so when yeah. you're in that 60 million
1: range, you're not competing. No. That's it, the that's the whole reason. But but there the is, situation in Oakland is what it is. But they do they not They do not spend.
0: They do not also um choose not to spend right because there is a choice ultimately to spend or not to spend
1: yeah well the raiders spent money today yes they did (laughs) hunter renfro got paid which is great he deserves it and i i like what the raiders are doing in terms of trying to field a competitive team and and a team that can try to win and uh in a moment we'll uh We'll get into more detail on that, won't we?
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. We're going to talk uh, in a second. We t- Just a little bit of a delay with Vinny, but we'll have him on to yeah, talk Vin- about it.
1: Vinny Monsignore from the RJ, who covers the Raiders, does a great job. We'll uh, be here to tell us about what it's like to cover a team from a distance. Did you hear what happened out of uh, Minicamp? <laughs> you know, I got a whole rundown of a show, you know? <laughs> You're like, going what happened at Minicamp? No, the the media was kept at such a, a far distance. If you didn't bring binoculars, you had no clue what was going on. So it sounds like the Patriot way has made its way to Vegas. And and I don't
0: understand. I mean, no, look, was, we got a hockey team here to let you put your nose up against the glass while they're practicing. I, I don't understand what that is. UNLV football has never been that's never been a problem with going out to practices and watching them. Uh, You've Get a look. What ninety nine percent?
1: You got you got a head coach and a Gerald Madrew who was with Belichick. End of discussion. Well,
0: there you go. Okay, uh, that's Steve Carp to my right. Chris Johnson behind the controls in front of me. Rundown of the show today. Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos will join us in about thirty minutes. Darren Millard, VGK studio host, will be with us first half of the second hour and tyler Mataraz was supposed to be on but we're going to push him back we're just going to go ahead and discuss these eastern conference final and then we're also going to talk about that fan that absolutely went off on a lightning fan last night yes coming out of Leave madison it. square garden game. if you haven't seen that go and check out that video and you'll have a it's all over social media Yeah, you won't have youtube trouble finding it
1: twitter wherever
0: well, Steve, we're obviously we're not too far away from the start of NFL training camps, including yeah. the Raiders who are going to start camp with everybody else next month. There, there's absolutely nobody better to get uh, talking about this on the latest on the, on the Raiders than our next guest, a host of In the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM here in Vegas. Let's welcome in Vincent Boxignor. And Vincent, you wrote a terrific column yesterday about how Aaron Rodgers played a major role in Devontae Adams finding his way to Vegas. Can you talk about
2: that? Yeah, um, and I think we've got to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit of credit here. I know that uh, yeah. a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings um, on, on, on Aaron Rodgers. You know, but when it came right down to it, um, relative to Devontae Adams, he was straight up and honest. Uh, about the uncertainty that he was having about his NFL future, whether it's in Green Bay or anywhere else uh, beyond this year, um, and I think he conveyed that uh, to Devonte Adams, who um, you know the two the two talked quite a bit leading up to really what was the biggest decision of Devonte Adams' life, whether to stay in Green Bay uh, or or come here to Las Vegas to play for uh, the Raiders and actually kind of push for a trade for that to happen. Um, and I think in those talks, you know, when Devonte Adams uh, asked. Uh, Aaron, about what's your future? Because I, you know, are you staying here? Are you going to be here? And and the uncertainty that uh, that that Aaron Rodgers uh, expressed played a big role in in Devontae Adams saying, you know what? There's a lot of things I want to do in my in my career. There's some numbers I still want to get to, some championships uh, that are on the horizon mm-hmm. potentially. Um, you know, if I if I can't if if Aaron's not going to be here, um, I'm not going to take the chance that whoever the replacement is is going to be as good. So. Um, you know I got to find a better situation for myself and when you think about it Aaron Rodgers could have mm-hmm. told him anything to try to keep him there because it's in his best interest that Devontae Adams on that team this year he puts him yeah. uh, in a better position to go win a Super Bowl uh, but he was honest and I think you got to give uh, Aaron Rodgers a little bit of credit for that
0: well one of the things that Adams pointed out and you touched on it but just to expand on that a little bit uh, he, he was it wasn't like hey look I, I don't have any love for Jordan Love at all but He said, and I quote, I have aspirations of doing really, really big things and being remembered. If you're a Raider fan or or somebody in the front office or even Derek Carr, you have to love those sort of things because his mind is in a place that does not fall short of winning a ring.
2: No doubt about it, and it's also um, a a tip of the cap to the Raiders because – if he has big things on his mind, and that's what's driving him to be remembered. And you know what? Yeah, people are remembered by the numbers they put up, but they're also remembered by the championships they win. Uh, and, and the mm-hmm. fact that that's what drives him, and he looked uh, over here to Las Vegas and saw the Raiders and Derek Carr and what's going on here uh, with that organization and said, you know what, uh, that's where I want to be. That's, where I f- that, that's a place I feel can help me get to where I still want to get to. So that's a tip of the cap to to what is going on, uh, you know, with, with the Raiders and maybe the perception that players, great players, uh, have of this uh, of this situation. Chandler Jones, um, you know, uh, in a similar vein, uh, signing here, um, you know, one of the best defensive uh, pass rush edge edge pass rushers in the NFL, uh, and I think that kind of marks a little bit of a difference in how the Raiders are being perceived because four years ago. I don't care how much Devontae Adams rooted for the Raiders growing up. I don't care how much he loved uh, the thought of playing with Derek Carr, but four years ago, there's no chance that uh, Devontae Adams uh, would have taken a leap of faith to come to the Raiders to play with the way the roster was uh, at that point. Uh, It's a whole lot different now, and I think that 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 bodes well for the Raiders and their fans.
1: Hey, Vinny, it's Steve. How are you? Uh,
2: I'm good, Steve. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing great. I want to ask you about the big news today out of Henderson, with uh, Hunter Renfro getting paid. How big is this for both player and team in terms of stability? And as we talk about Devontae Adams, you get a guy like Renfro who played in the slot and kind of takes some of the heat off of him. How big is this uh, deal for both the player and for the team? It seems to be friendly toward both.
2: Yeah, it is, um, you know, uh, $32 million over two years. That's about, you know, $16 million average uh, annual salary, $21 million guaranteed. It's a nice its a nice reward uh, for what Hunter Renfro has done as a fifth-round pick, um, you know, mm-hmm. working his way into this position. It also keeps this little core intact with uh, him and Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. They're all kind of on the same timeline uh, right now. I think Darren Waller is going to join that club uh, uh, fairly soon. Uh, and be here for, for a little while. Um, so, uh, I think it was important and it also allows Cooper or excuse me, uh, Hunter uh, to get out back, uh, you know, on the bargaining table fairly quickly. And it kind of reminds me of what the Rams did with Cooper cup a few years ago yes, back in 2020. Yes. Yeah. Cup, cup signed a three year or I think it was a three or four year extension with about $20 million guaranteed. And, uh, and, and, and he turns around and continues or continued on the path that he was and, Lo and behold, goes back to the bargaining table and walks away with seventy-five million dollars guaranteed over the next four years. So I would imagine if Hunter continues on this path and stays on the clip that he's uh, that he's playing on right now, um, it won't be too long before uh, that contract gets redone again in his favor.
1: Yeah, because obviously Cooper Cup is, you know, he's a really a, an elite player in this league, but Hunter Renfro is an excellent player. And with the short term on this thing, he definitely can leapfrog this into something even bigger. I don't know if he'll get seventy five million, but at least he'll get some. Hey Vin, my other concern about the Raiders going into the season, and and I think you've written about this and talked about it on Raider Nation Radio, this offensive line, is it good enough as currently constructed, if healthy, to keep Derek Carr upright enough to use all these weapons he has?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I, it's it's still a concern. I don't think there's any way uh, other way to really uh, characterize it. Now, granted, um, you know you would expect that it would be better than it was last year. And last year, as bad as it might have been at times, it was still good enough uh, to at least help the Raiders win ten games and, and get to the playoffs, and you know push the Cincinnati Bengals to the brink of overtime in the wild card round of the, of, of the postseason. Um, so. Uh, you know, not saying that it's acceptable if they play to that level, because it wouldn't be. But even at that level, this team did some pretty special things last year. I would expect it to be better, um, you know, kind of organically, guys, just getting better, uh, getting Denzel Good back in the fold, um, you know, as a uh, as, as a veteran presence. Uh, Andre James going now into his second year as a starter. John Simpson, uh, his second year as a starter. We know about Colton Miller, that right tackle position. Uh, is sort of a moving target right now, um, and uh, a living, breathing uh, uh, organism that that kind of changes from day to day. At least during during minicamp, on who's manning it uh, at that particular time. Brandon Parker and Alex Leatherwood have been splitting some time. I wouldn't rule out um, once the Raiders wrap wrap up the, uh, their off season next week, um, and they get a real chance to to take stock of this roster and. There's film now to, to look at from practice and, you know, how uh, uh, sort of a body of work and how guys are absorbing information and applying it on the field. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe that's an area that the Raiders tinker with before training camp. Uh, but I think it would be a good sign um, if they didn't, uh, because if they don't, uh, it, it, it probably tells everybody that Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels and Carmen Priscilla, the offensive line coach, and, and Mick Lombardi, the, the offensive coordinator, feel like. Um, whatever uh, improvements need to happen are, are available with this particular group. So mm-hmm. it's something to chart. It's something to monitor these next couple of weeks after they wrap up uh, the offseason program, whether they go outside the building to get some help.
1: Hey, Vin, uh, I, I know Ed Graney and, and several of the, the Raider beat writers were talking about the distance you guys are being kept from the players and coaches on the field. Has the Patriot way come to Vegas because of Ziegler and uh, McDaniel? I mean, how, how hard is uh, yeah, it to,
2: a bit. And, to watch and cover? It? Um, you know, it's 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 definitely a little bit of a challenge. Uh, and, and and to be perfectly honest, uh, you know, the the Raiders' way of doing things was different when I covered the Rams. The Rams, you might as well have been able to go into the uh, into the huddle with with Sean McVay and uh, and, and make some play call suggestions during uh-huh. camp and training camp. You could go wherever you wanted, basically. Uh, you had real uh, you know uh, vantage points and access to that. It's just you know how how different teams uh, you know uh, do it, and um, uh, there's no doubt we were we were uh, there were times where you know uh, we were a couple of football fields away uh, from the action. There were other times where it was a little bit closer to us, and that was uh, that was uh, always welcome. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, the setup seems a little bit different than when it was uh, under John Gruden. But as I said, the setup under John Gruden was completely different than the setup under on, under Sean McVay as well.
0: And we're talking to Vincent. Uh, bon Signor, and you're with uh, in the huddle. And I, and I'm so sorry, Vincent. You know, there's there's certain last names that I just can't it doesn't roll off the tongue, and I apologize for that. I really tried and I practice, but you are the host. You're of You're doing it. fine. I'm doing you're my, doing best. my <laughs> best. I mean, it is if you know, this
2: was, if if this was old school Las Vegas, it would be Bon Signore. But we're in new school. We're in
0: new school. Yeah, because of the hockey background, I could probably go with that a lot easier. Uh, You're also obviously the host of In the Huddle on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And just to go back to that discussion about the offensive line, I mean, signing Renfro, in a way, really helps that offensive line because of his ability to get open quick, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and I think that that's uh, something um, uh, – important to keep in mind, not only from that perspective, but even just sort of, you know, Josh McDaniel's way of being able to, um, you know, build really powerful offenses without a whole bunch of star power at certain positions uh, and the offensive line being one of them. Um, You know, when you go, if you go back and, and look at what the Patriots did along their offensive line over the years, a lot of times it was with drafted development guys, undrafted free agents. They never really, I mean, you know, time here and a time there, where they invested really high draft picks, uh, on offensive linemen. They typically have uh, a prototype of what they're looking for, get them into the building, get them into the system, coach them up, uh, and get value out of them. Um, and so maybe that's what they're seeing as well. You know, uh, they're seeing like, oh, all these guys fit with what we're trying to do. We'll coach them up. Um, you know, we'll get them uh, in position to succeed. And then the scheme itself uh, will also help them uh, getting the ball out, of, out a little bit quicker. Um, you know, because you have guys like Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller guys that are really good at getting open quickly, and then you have a quarterback in Derek Carr who can get the ball out really quick, uh, that's only going to help an offensive line. Uh, But I think for the Raiders, from the Raiders' perspective, uh, it can't be on a hope and a prayer that that's going to work out, because this team has lofty goals and and high aspirations and a lot of talent in a lot of different areas of this team. Um, You can't let one weakness um, impede what you're trying to go uh, achieve. So um, I think it behooves the Raiders to be convicted on, you know, as they get out of, uh, you know, uh, mini camp and, and wrap up their offseason, on uh, really being honest about themselves in terms of can we get it done with this offensive line? If so, okay, uh, go give it a shot. But if there's any hesitation, if there's any doubt, uh, to me, they got to go get it shored up uh, in order to put themselves in the best position to succeed uh, during the season.
0: Uh, wouldn't you say, though, I mean, from an offensive line standpoint, I mean, it is really important to watch the evolution of Alex Le- Leatherwood because, I mean, if he can, if there's any kind of improvement from year one to year two, I mean, that I mean, he might probably ultimately find himself a, you know, a second-team guy. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, he was splitting time with Brandon Parker. But um, ultimately, do you see his evolution as, as the utmost importance if you're trying to build this offensive line?
2: Yeah, I mean, as currently constructed, um, his his development um, is, is critical, and his improvement, I should say, is, is, is critical. I think everyone has a pretty good idea of what Brandon Parker is and isn't. Um, so uh, you know, uh, he's somebody that offers some level of stability, but I think there's a ceiling there that he's probably already reached. Whereas I think there's a big ceiling ceiling for Alex Leatherwood, and the, the trick now uh, is is getting to getting him to. Uh, as close to that ceiling as, as possible, um, but at the same point, you know, um, whereas Mike Mayock and John Gruden, um, they were they were invested in Alex Leatherwood and they were in, they were invested in his success because it warranted or or his success would have warranted their decision to take him 17th overall. Which not a lot of people agreed with that decision. And that's no shot at Alex Leatherwood. It's not his fault. Uh, That one team decided that he was the 17th best player in the uh, in in the draft uh, last year, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but you know this new regime of Dave Ziegler and and Josh McDaniels—they don't have that personal investment in in Alex Leatherwood, you know. So uh, I think he's going to be on a uh, have a have a shorter runway as a result. He's got to show that he can be a capable, viable uh, part of this operation, and I don't think there's going to be. Uh, any he hesitance to, to move on from him um, uh, or, or go to a different option if he can't. So um, there's no like, mm-hmm. wow, we need to keep running him out there and hope because really our, our reputation is, is at stake here uh, in picking him. There's none of that going on uh, w- w- with this new regime. So uh, it behooves uh, Alex Leatherwood to show the Raiders early and often uh, that, that he's worthy of a, of a starting job on this offensive line.
1: Hey, Vin, last one from me. Uh... Colin Kaepernick uh, came in had a tryout with the team where where do things stand with him are they going to sign him are they gonna just move on from him and if he does stay what what's the realistic possibility that at his age and having not played in the league for five years or six years that he could be an effective player
2: yeah that's the uh, that's the great unknown uh Steve in terms of what he really does have. Left in the tank, I think theoretically, you hear the name Colin Kaepernick, and then you think of uh, guys like Jared Stidham and, and Nick Mullen. Theoretically, he's a better player than those two guys are. But we're going on the on, on the premise of the you know 2015 or 2016 uh, Colin Kaepernick, and in and in, and in football years, you know that might as well have been 200 years ago. Uh, especially yeah. given the fact that he hasn't played. Um, you know it would have been one thing if he had played over those. Over those years, and you got a pretty good idea of, of, of where he is, but it's, it's almost impossible to project where he might be able to be um, in an NFL setting in an important role after not playing for, for what five and a half years or so. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever it's been, I think the Raiders have a pretty good idea of what he represents right now, um, you know, and and I think that um, it, it could very well be a situation where. Hey, should things just not work out with the backup quarterbacks or things go south with the backup quarterbacks or somebody gets hurt? You know, they, they, they there's a short list that they have uh, at every position, and maybe Colin Kaepernick uh, is going to be on that list, um, you know, uh, for future reference type of a thing. Along with, yeah. you know, as I, and, and as I've been told, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys that have come through this, uh, this building that are under consideration, I think, on that short list, just in case, you know, if something were to happen, I think right now that's where Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. lands. Um, so uh, him him signing with the Raiders, uh, anything can happen, obviously. Uh, but but him signing with the Raiders pro- is probably predicated on either great uncertainty uh, with Nick Mullins and Derek Sittib as as backup options going into training camp for Derek Carr or some sort of an injury.
0: Did you get a feel after his workouts? You know, whether or not they were positive, or they, you know, it, it wasn't quite what they had looked looked for. Because, like you brought it up brought up at this point, Vinny, I mean, it's it's about whether he can or cannot play at this point. He has not been in the league for a long time, and 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 if I have to think in 2022, if somebody thought he would be of value to their organization as a, even as a backup, that he would already be playing at, at this point. Is it just a matter of can he still do it?
2: Yeah, and and um, you know, for being perfectly frank, really, the only way you're going to be able to find that out is if he has to play, and that's when you're going to find out in real time whether he still has it. Uh, if, if if you know, that's how I see it anyway. Uh, but I guess you could say the same thing about Jared Sidham and, and Nick Mullins as well. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they could man the ship uh, successfully if 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 they get called on. Uh, but you know, uh, that's kind of the nature uh, of the backup quarterback uh, world. Mm-hmm. But with, it's it's added also with with Colin because you know you're you're talking about about a guy that you know when it comes to muscle memory and you know uh, just just the, the all the things that go into being a professional athlete. This isn't high school football where you can roll it out and you know go let the best athlete go uh, go win your football games and, and be the best player on the field. Um, mm-hmm. These are world class athletes who have been doing them on a daily basis, whether it's during the season or in the offseason, preparing as a professional athlete, compared to somebody who hasn't uh, for the last five years, um, you know, uh, uh, not his fault either. You know, uh, that was pretty much taken from him. Um, so mm-hmm. to, to project on, you know, what he can actually do if given the opportunity, I think right now is just frankly impossible i don't know if there's even i guess michael vick comes to mind a little bit um you know in in, in, in terms yeah. of how long he was out uh but this is this is this is a whole other ball game really uh with colin kaepernick and and uh and this is serious stuff it's important stuff because you know the the backup quarterback is a play away period uh, yep. and if you are a team with high aspirations um that could be the difference between getting where you want to get to and 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 not you know having to turn to a backup quarterback for any period of time, so um, you know, I, I don't think you're gonna, uh, you know, uh, get anyone that's running a team right now to just give somebody an opportunity because it's good PR or you know, um, it it writes it, it, it a wrong that that happened five years ago um, for for a guy like Dave Ziegler and every other general manager in the league that's kind of thinking about this decision. I mean, you know, uh, they have to think about who are the best options to help this team win? Because that's what they're going to be judged on. It's not going to be, you know, anything that Colin Kaepernick does or doesn't bring to the table for, you know, uh, publicity or anything like that. It's, it's literally, is he one of the best 53 uh, uh, people uh, that we can available go get uh, to help us win football games? And if that's and if the answer right now is no, um, you know, uh, it, it's hard to see anybody, uh, you know, giving him or, or, or reaching out to him and bringing him into the, into the fold. Uh, because, again, those mm-hmm. general managers and coaches have to think about themselves and their team, uh, and that's it. And, you know, it's a harsh, cruel world sometimes, but, but that's what they've been paying that, – that's what they get paid to do.
0: That's exactly right. Hey, we always appreciate you coming on, Vinny, and uh, just tell everybody, and we know you're involved in many different things, including a, a new venture as well. I mean, tell everybody where they can hear you.
2: Yeah, um, uh, right now I'm on uh, uh, on the tailgate show, actually, morning 7 to 10 a.m., kicking it off on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, you can read all my stuff over on um, – if you go to the, uh, download the app Vegas Nation or just go to VegasNation.com, that's part of the Las Vegas Review-Journal Raider coverage. Uh, that's where you could access everything. Uh, so, uh, so th- that's what we got going.
0: Awesome, beautiful. Well, we appreciate it very much, and thank you, Vinny. Hopefully, you'll uh, be able to, we'll be able to lean on you. And in between there, we'll just I'll practice your name ten times before I go to sleep every
2: night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I appreciate it, Steve. Take care of yourself, buddy. Thanks, Vin.
0: Talk to you. All right, there he goes, okay. Vincent Bon Signor from Nine Hundred and Twenty Raider Nation. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Chuck Esposito from Station Casinos. will be will join us.
4: Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar & Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with
3: grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries, and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you.
0: Hey Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our Power Play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a Power Play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag #AdamCutnerPowerPlay, And when the Golden
3: Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter Go Knights, go. Calling all Vegas Golden Knights superfans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game.
4: Uh... Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur.
0: Welcome back to Sportsbook Radio from the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. I'm Dana Lane, along with Hall of Fame sports writer Steve Carp, Krista Moose Johnson behind the turntable. It's no turntable. Sounds good though. <laughs> we always like to put a bow on the week in sports betting and get you set up for what is certainly going to be another packed weekend of sports. You have the NHL Conference Final. Uh, You have the NBA Finals. You have horse racing. I mean, it's another crazy week at the book. And no one better to talk about that than uh, with our friend from Station Casinos, Chuck Esposito. And Chuck, always great to have you on. What are the betters looking at this weekend as the main event that they want to be glued to?
5: I think it's a combination of stuff, guys. It's always uh, great to finish the week with you. Um, You know, you've got the the NBA Finals now with uh, uh, the Celtics up two games to one the, uh, the Avalanche just waiting to see who they're going to be playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. Baseball continues to, you know, ramp up. UFC, and then, of course, for the horse racing fans, uh, Belmont. So um, there's a, a lot going on. I mean, there's really no downtime. I know we've talked about it so many times. But uh, fun week for us, and uh, we're always excited about it.
0: I was wondering this morning, and I I sent you a little text, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second, but I was wondering this morning when I was firing up my line service and looking at the numbers and bet percentages, and you know sometimes you see a a scenario where the the money on a specific game goes one percentage and the total bets go in the other, which is not abnormal uh, being the opposite of each other, but I thought to myself, I, I wonder as a book, would you rather win the bets where the higher percentage of money is wagered, but at the same time, you have to think in the back of your mind, well, if the greater number of customers win be with the greater number of uh, of tickets written, that just means they're coming back for more uh, later in the day. I mean, and it you know keeps them at your casino. I mean, do you have a preference with that, or is that just something you don't think about?
5: You know, it's an interesting question, Dana. And, you know, it, it's funny, but it, it, it kind of holds true, um, especially during um, Pro Football Sundays, where... Um, we may lose the vast majority of the games, but we're able to win maybe um, three or four of the key games, including maybe the primetime game. Right, And you still end up posting a, a fairly good game, a day, and a lot of the better still did, did well. Um, it just kind of depends on the event and the game. Um, but a, a lot of times I think it's the uh, it's really emphasized on the um, on the kind of the, the standalone or marquee games more so than anything else.
0: But when you're talking about a specific game, does it feel different when you know, hey, look, the majority of tickets are on the side, majority of the money is on the side? I mean, it has to feel a little bit better when you know, hey, look, even if they get us and, it, and it's a little bit mismatched in percentage between tickets and, and money, even if they get us, I, I know they're coming back, and uh, perhaps we win the other side with with the more of the money bet on the other side.
5: Yeah, it is. I, I think you know we, we clearly know um, you know going into every event which games are much bigger than, than others, and I've always said it that you know each game is a snowflake, meaning that you know a, a three on the, the Texans-Jags is much different on the, the Packers and Patriots game. Um, but when the guests do well, yeah, they they definitely uh, come back um with uh with both fists and, and you know, big smiles on their faces yeah. and that's just part of it. But um uh, you know, again we know with each event what what are the marquee or big games that we're clearly rooting for on a daily basis, who we have to beat today in baseball to To have a good game, I mean a a good day. I mean, there's no question when you see, you know, big favorites coming in like uh, Toronto against Detroit and the Yankees against the Cubs, and um, you know, Houston's a little bit of a a decent-sized favorite. That when we're looking, you know, just looking before these games even start, San Diego against Colorado, we have to knock down, um, you know, some of those teams. We're going to be tonight, you know, Pirates fans, Rockies fans, Cubs fans, Tiger fans. Um, going into a day like today.
1: I didn't realize Wade Miley is on his eighth team in the majors. <laughs> Man, that guy <laughs> has moved around. Year.
0: And four yep. of those years was with Arizona. Arizona. So that's even
1: telling you how much more right, he's moved right. around. I mean, Chuck, you can't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence seeing him on the on the mound tonight at Yankee Stadium.
5: Well, when you, when you see the price of the, of the game and – and, and the Yankees almost, uh, you know, have double the the wins that the Cubs have this year. Um, we're clearly going to be Cubs fans. I mean, no question. That might be the biggest game of the day. Um, you know, especially even on the run line, where if we could knock down the run line somehow, uh, no. it, it definitely helps. But hey, that's just in baseball. I know we've talked about it, Dana. That. Baseball and, and, and hockey, they don't mind laying the big prices on the three, four, five, sixteen parlays because you're simply asking a team to win. Now, if you want to throw in the money line or the puck line, of course, you're asking them to win by more than you know one run or one goal, um, which you know helps you as far as the price goes, but there's always that liability that they could win by one run. But uh, again, no question guys, there's about six games tonight that we know. That will have the highest ticket count and will be rooting for the other team.
1: And you've got a big game four in the NBA Finals tonight, Chuck. You made the Celtics a four point favorite. The total, it's still kind of in that ballpark. It's two fourteen. Um Is the zigzag going to hold up here? or the Warriors going to even this thing up? Uh, or do you need the Celtics? Or is, is the this Warriors thing going to stay are, under? Our are,
5: um, are, are 5 and 0 after a loss. And I think the Celtics are split at 3-3 three and three after a win in the postseason this year. Um, they're backing, you know, uh, the, the Warriors, the bigger bets. I know we've crept up a little bit from 3.5 to 4. And, um, you know, we've seen the total actually come down from uh, 15 to, to 14, a full point. Um, it's kind of been a strange series where the Celtics have won both games that went over. And the one game the Warriors went was the game that mm-hmm. went under. And you would think it would be the exact reverse. Um, but my guess is when this game tips tonight, we are still going to be Celtic fans.
1: I mean, I guess Curry's, you know, he's playing, but, you know, who knows how effective he'll be as Curry. You know, he'll still play well, but can he dominate the game? Basically, I think it's a big question mark going in. and And I still think until the Warriors can start offensive rebounding, They're going to have trouble beating this team. The Celtics are really, really good at limiting your opportunities. And uh, I think they figured out a way to kind of contain the Splash Brothers.
5: Yeah, I I think you're right, Steve. And, you know, going into it, uh, again, uh, the, the Warriors were the favorite in game one, favorite in the series. They were bet heavily in both from the public. And I think it was just the perception of the Warriors that, you know, they were kind of expected to be there. They had a relatively healthy season they had all their key players back um you know they were going to play the suns in the west and the the east was kind of wide open the Celtics had you know high prices industry wide um to win the championship throughout the course of the season until late uh, they went through a bucks team and a nets team that were both a little bit banged up but really when you take a closer look at it and see the fact that you did see a lot of sharp action come in on the Celtics that because of their defensive you know, strength and the fact that they rebound, um, play both ends of the court, we saw that sharp action come in on the Celtics. So um, at this point, it looks like that was clearly, you know, that they saw value both in, in the series price mm-hmm. and in game one. We've seen it kind of mixed so far in game two and three. Uh, but the, the more of the sophisticated or sharp betters really did back the Celtics in the series. And from what I had heard, it was all based on the fact that they could rebound and play defense and they were the more superior team in those two categories.
1: Uh, let me let me move on to tomorrow, big sports day. It's going to be busy at your book. We have the Belmont Stakes without a Triple Crown on the line, but I noticed you've put up several cool bets. You know, daily doubles tying today's card to tomorrow's. I assume you're going to have a nice big twin cue available to uh, the race players, and of course at five o'clock. We have Tampa Bay looking to close out the Rangers and the Lightning, I believe. It was minus 180, and uh, the under is still the prevalent thing at 5.5, minus 140. What 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 do you anticipate tomorrow being like for you and, and your people at uh, Red Rock and throughout all the station properties? How busy will it be yeah. without a Triple Crown?
5: It, it definitely hurts without a Triple Crown, Steve. I mean, I, I would have loved to... Um, you know, have had maybe the, the the horse that that won the first race. Um, you know, or a, a Rich Strike having a chance to to go up against maybe the horse that won the Preakness. Um, you know, and, and we we don't have that, and um, having or having a horse that had won the first two legs. It uh, just becomes. Such a special day when that occurs, mm-hmm. um, and we don't have that. It's still a, a huge race day. The overall card at Belmont is good, a lot of stakes races, and as you mentioned, we do have Game uh, game 6 between the Rangers and Lightning. Um, this Ranger team definitely has to be kicking themselves, I think, at this point. H- had every opportunity um, to, to be up in this series and maybe already have won this series. Um, you're playing the two-time defending champs that, that save Vasil- Vasilevsky had in the third period yesterday, um, kind of on the wraparound, was, was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be tough for the Rangers right now, I think, to come back against them. But full slate of baseball, great NHL game, and the Belmont is still going to produce a a, a packed kind of crazy, fun atmosphere in all of our race and sports books throughout yeah, the Valley. I
1: mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be in my seat in the back and uh, probably spending the whole day there. So, uh, for me, it's uh, – it's one of those special days as a horse player and then as a sports fan, like you say, with all the baseball, with the hockey game at 5 o'clock and a potential closeout game for the Lightning. Hey, hey Chuck, real quick about the hockey. You know, these games continue to go under, and I guess that's understandable given the goaltending. I'm still waiting for that game where both teams just break out and, and go crazy. I, I I don't know if we'll see that. The rest of the way, do you? I don't think so. In the, in
5: the East, Steve, if it goes yeah. seven, I, I think it's just the style of play of, of these two teams. They know that their strength is is uh, defense and and the guy between the crease. If it's a uh, Sterkin or, or Vasilevsky. It's just the way that these teams play. And I know we've talked about it, that usually when it comes to the Stanley Cup and, and throughout the playoffs and the finals, it's that team that has a goaltender that can stand on his head, uh, can keep teams in the game, and can steal games if need be. Both these two teams have it. That's the way they played, you know, during the regular season for the most part. Um, and it's just a style. I mean, out West, Uh, way different with the Avalanche and and, and Oilers, the way that they can score much more wide open ice and, you you know, I still think Colorado is going to be the favorite, but there's a major question mark, you know, between the crease Between the pipes for Colorado, is, you know, even if Kemper's back, how healthy is he? He, you know, he had the the situation where he was poked in the eye, um, the injury now. And um, these are going to be much tighter games where goaltending um, is going to be a major factor. And although I think the Avalanche, you know, or I know they've been the favorite all year, I think in the finals against either one of these two teams in goaltending is what we thought might have been a higher series price, um, might be a little bit lower uh, just because of the advantage. Uh, between the pipes for the Eastern Conference.
0: We're talking to Chuck Esposito, Sportsbook Director for Station Casinos. And Chuck, I, I wanted to I, – I sent you a text this morning. I said, hey, do you mind if we, we talk about this? I, I, I've been meaning to talk about this for four and a half months, and today's the day we're going to put this to rest. Now, I, I want you to start off – this is a Brian Blessing story. And I said, hey, do you mind if I talk about a Brian Blessing story that also – uh, you know, he told to me a thousand times. Very proud of, it, in a way. Does your story? And you said you have a story too. Does your story involve Steve Carp as well?
5: Um, I don't, I don't know if Steve was in involved in this. I, I, I'll just, I'll chime in first. So, okay. Uh, um, but I mean, w- when it comes to like strategies, and you know, Brian being a uh, um, such an avid, you know, hockey fan. He used to tell me that the one thing that he looked for to bet in hockey, and I'm sure Steve's going to smile when I say this, is the dad trip. Oh, okay. he yeah. He strategically looked for that team that was on the dad's trip, and you know uh, when uh, that what their record was. As soon as he could find that out. He would go out, and that would be one of his biggest bets, was backing that team because the dads were in the stands.
0: So yep. did you go back, Chuck, and say, okay, this is dad's trip. We're going to make a little adjustment. This is the blessing rule?
5: You know, I didn't because a lot of times, I mean, this is going to sound silly, but I didn't always know when they were. Um, you know, he actually made a point of yeah. kind of looking that up and yep. going through it and, and trying to find all that information on social. It, it forced me to do that um, over too. the last several years, but um, we really didn't make you know a huge adjustment. But it was always in the back of my mind that that this is what Brian always said. You know, you gotta bet the dad trip, yeah. kid. You gotta bet the dad's trip.
0: Well, here's the thing, Chuck. So. He used to be in my ear about that all the time, too. And, and of course, when I hear that sort of thing where it seemed like it never lost, of course, I had to go do the research. And, And can I just tell you? It sounded good, but it was not profitable. And it was close. It was close, Chuck. I'm telling you, not enough for you to go back and make an adjustment on your numbers. Right. I can tell you that. I,
5: I think it got a little streaky at one point. Yes. And that really kind of reinforced yeah. to, to be that uh, that was the way to go. That, you know, I think there was like four or five in a row that he told me that, that you know, was, were kind of on a roll. And at that point, um, he was sold um but he made a compelling argument about it um, but i agree with you i think looking back when you kind of went through the did the research and looked statistically at it um it wasn't nearly as high of a percentage as um as uh, as, as b used to chirp about <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah and i remember yeah it, it, the crescendo for that Trend for him was Arizona went on the road on a on a dad's trap and they were like plus two twenty. They won outright. I right. mean, you could never tell him anything different about this trend from that point on. <laughs> right.
1: And just and just so he he wasn't uh, biased against women when the moms went on the road with the team, like when Calgary brought their moms to T Mobile and the Flames beat the Knights. I think they were a big dog that night. They may have been plus two forty or or two thirty. And he was chirping to me, "Told you, <laughs> told you." <ya." laughs> and it's like he uh, he, did, can, love, he guys, did love that you, angle.
5: Yep, you, you, I mean you've clearly made my day today because I I can really hear his voice right now, uh, absolutely, kind of yeah. talking about it, and just the look on his face and the passion behind it. Um, no question that you know he he you know backed it a hundred percent. And he would be enthusiastic about it. And oh, I, can, yeah. I can clearly see him right now going through that, that whole presentation and looking at, at Steve and Andy and I a lot of times when we did this at um, you know, the uh, STN Sports Studio over at Sunset and, and kind of talking about this and, and, and how he felt about it. So right. uh, it's really it, it's fun to have an opportunity to talk about B and yeah. uh, think about him a lot. And you know, I shoot Maria a note and let her know that. But it's always great to kind of talk about him on the air with you guys as well.
1: He would love these playoffs, Chuck. I'm telling you, he would. He, he would. would just be going gaga over what the Lightning are doing and how Colorado is just manhandling its opponents on its way to the final. He uh, he would also be wondering what the hell the Golden Knights are ever going to do to hire a coach. What, you do, you think? Be, be what, what do you think? He'd be talking about that. Would already
5: gonna... have outlined to me. The, the young talent that the Sabres have in the minor league. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness, he yes. He to be up next oh, year with, yes. with with all their talented young players. And and then, of course, he'd be already telling me that he's going to be drafting Josh Allen in fantasy football. So those are all things that I, I I truly miss. Well,
0: every player on the Sabres was rumored to go to the Golden Knights at one point. <laughs> yes. Well, he got it right with Eichel. <laughs> yeah, he got it right with Eichel, finally. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Well, hey, I always wa- I wanted to tell you a story too, uh, Chuck, that came up this morning in my head, and I wish I brought it up to you earlier. When the Golden Knights first, I, I think it was the second year, maybe, and it- you started to kind of play with the numbers a little bit and put numbers up about you know who would score the first goal, and then there was a field bet that he would always get on, and he would tell me that he was kicking himself because one day, and I don't know if you remember this, one day it was you. And Brian and Steve Carp, uh, and I think it was uh, Steve, but somebody was a you know three of you, and he would tell you he told you this strategy, and what happened is, and he swears that the minute he told you, you include it like and he was excited because the field would include defensemen and the field would include you know bottom six guys and. I mean the the field there was a lot of a lot of guys and of course you know top six was it you know, had specific odds on them, but did you in fact go back and change that because Brian told
5: you about that? I, I believe we did. If memory serves me correctly. <laughs> I, I believe we he did. You would have loved and, that you know,
0: confirmation. <laughs> yep,
5: yep. I mean, I, I still can always hear him talking about the twin cues too, Steve when it was oh yes, uh, yes. matchbooks to lumberyards. You know, yes. I mean, I I hear that all the time. I use it, and and I chuckle um when I when I say it because I mean he's so true, he's so right. You know, when we offer if it's a a five thousand, a ten thousand, or twenty thousand based on the event, uh, absolutely for two dollars. Um, don't be shy because you can turn it uh from matchbooks to lumberyards. And I still remember, you know, several years ago, um Triple Crown horse, and we offered a. Um, uh, a, a thirty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-three twin Q, and one guest won it with a very minimal e- investment. So it can be done. Yep. So when we offer these big twin Qs, uh, don't be shy to take a shot. What, what is? Th- yeah, go ahead, Steve.
1: What will, what will the twin Q be tomorrow? Is it twenty thousand for Belmont Day? No, it's, it's actually five tomorrow, Steve. Okay. With
5: without having, um, you know, uh, kind of making it a special race or anything, and uh, not having, you know, two of the uh, horses that have each won the first two legs. Right. Um, it's 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 five tomorrow. If there, if it's not hit, you know today there would be a carryover amount, but right now it's slated to be five tomorrow.
1: And the Belmont Stakes will be part of the Twin queue?
5: Of course. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. I like Modanicle yep. for what it's worth. He'll be the favorite, but we'll see.
5: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I'm anxious to see how Rich Strike does in it, um, but uh, I, it's still going to be, again, there's a really good card at Belmont, and I think yeah. anytime it's one of the three uh, Triple Crown races, you still have a, a a good crowd, a more enthusiastic crowd, and we'll have yeah. the, the Belmont and all the big screens and the audio going, and it makes you feel like you're, you know, uh, you're at the track, but um, uh, just, you know, wish there was a, a little bit more kind of in- intrigue uh, going into this race than, unfortunately, we don't have.
1: Yeah, well, you can't force it but uh, like you say, you know, it's not just Belmont Park. It's like 17 tracks running tomorrow. So if you're a right, horse racing right, person, yep. you don't have to bet these short fields at Belmont. You could, you know, you could bet Monmouth. You could bet Churchill Downs. You could bet Santa Anita. Although I wouldn't because right now Santa Anita's uh, fields are, are really dwindling. And, and they, they got an issue going into Delmar, in my opinion. They've got to they find a way to increase the horse population and get bigger fields to get more people betting.
5: Yeah, I couldn't agree, agree more. Um, yeah, the, the bigger fields definitely add an appeal. I mean, it kind of—I think it—it's such a detractor when when you have these, you know, uh, six horse fields that um, uh, from, from everything across the board, all the different wagering options and uh, and different things you can wager on. Uh, I hope they can get this resolved and you are going to see bigger fields across the board. Yep.
0: No, Chuck, we always appreciate you coming on. We wish you guys nothing but the best and we will reconvene on Monday.
5: Sounds great guys. Again, always uh, love uh, starting and finishing the week with you guys and really yep. enjoy uh, the conversation today and getting to talk a little bit about uh, somebody that I know we, yeah. uh, we all truly miss, oh, yes. but uh fun times. Enjoy the weekend guys. I know I'll see you Steve. I'll see you and, tomorrow. Uh, you know, we'll chat in the book. Yeah. So you Steve's going to
0: be hiding in the back row now. And now everybody knows where he's going to be sitting. So yeah, everyone knows where he's he sitting. He
5: doesn't hide. We all know where to find him. One,
0: yep. one to three. Steve will be signing your racing forms. <laughs> all right, thanks Chuck. We appreciate it. We'll talk on Monday. All right. There he goes. All right boys. Thanks guys. There he goes. Chuck Bye. Esposito from station casinos. We'll take a break. When we come back, VGK studio host, Aaron Millard will join the show.